Hi everyone, I'm John Heinz. Welcome to the Second Rail Education Podcast. Talk about transforming education by and for people playing unique roles in the organization, service, and delivery of learning. Uh, my guest today is Tom Hanley. Tom's been on before. Tom is a professor of marketing and public relations at the Parsons School of Design in New York City. Uh, he's been nominated three times as Distinguished Faculty of the Year, and that distinction takes on a new and special meaning when you realize that a lot of Tom's work is done online. So I love talking to Tom about online education and marketing education. Uh, Tom's a, a font of knowledge on, on all things education and beyond, and he integrates them. So I love talking to Tom about his his what seemingly random knowledge about the problem with ferries crossing Lake Michigan from Chicago to Michigan, uh, to shoelace and backpack innovations, to the, to, to, to the trade war in China. Um, talking to Tom, it really is fun because uh, it, it becomes clear to me that marketing is uh, people who are experts in marketing are really experts in all things. I know Tom teaches public relations, communications, and marketing, uh, both real and virtually. And uh, I don't even know if we need to make that distinction anymore between real face-to-face -face teaching and virtual teaching. But to the extent that, uh, that, those, that there is a distinction, he, he's a master of both. Um, but most interesting, and the subject of our discussion today, is how Tom has successfully worked with and placed over 500 novice and experienced students in internships. And over 300 in jobs in, in more countries than I, I've, I've even attempted to, to count. These subjects, uh, these students, are, are the subject of today's podcast. This is what we want to talk about. So for longtime teachers like us, taking the time to talk about students about whom we're most excited is kind of a guilty pleasure, at least in my experience. It's, it's guilty because... Uh, talking about our former students often misses the thousands of other stories from our hundreds of other students, but it's a pleasure because no matter how much we love teaching our subject matter, one thing, uh, one thing anybody who's worked with any type of student at any age or level of experience knows is that we love our students more than anything else. So, as uh, many of you know, I've taught in primary, secondary, higher, and professional education organizations around the world. I've taught literature, business, law, language, and all those things got me into teaching, but what has always kept me there are the students. And so today, what Tom and I are going to do is explore Tom's top 10 list of his favorite or favorite students or favorite student stories. Um, I'm actually really excited about hearing a master professor's top 10 list from a top design school. Um, I know that this is going to be a window for future students and anyone passionate about marketing, design, public relations, education, uh, and how those things uh, affect the look and feel of the pathways of su for success for future students. So this is Tom's, as I said, this is Tom's second time on the podcast, and I'm, I'm really happy he's here. So Tom, well, welcome back to Second Rail. Uh, so, you know, Tom, I know I just kind of ranted about your career a little bit. I'm curious how you define your kind of career to date and what you, what, what, what you think of yourself as. Well, I think in a weird way, I call it a facilitator. I'm really able to, you know, bring my career prior to teaching, um, which was almost 10 years at Ralph Lauren, um, and numerous companies after that. But to bring all that into the classroom. And then um, I always talk about it takes a fashion village, um, which is, it's such a small world in New York and everyone knows like, okay, we need an intern or we need an employee. Um, let's email or text Tom. So the, the facilitation of being able to place people to me is amazing. But I also believe that um, I can't make stars, but I can pull them, shine them, and push them on up. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, ed and educators, um, that, that sort of fourth wall has come sort of way down from what I remember being in the, being in the classroom, um, as a student. And now, like, you know, 
all the students have my cell phone and they text me if there's an issue and then we jump on either Skype or Zoom to talk. And so it's they're learning at the same time they are learning from some of my other, from my former students, which I'll explain in a little bit. But um, I just think that we're all encompassing these days. And we have to, I think what I've been told is that the one-on-one -on -one sort of um, um, education format is going to be, at least at, at certain, you know, um, uh, stellar schools like Parsons, um, we're going to see more one-on-one. -on -one. And, and I value that. I think it's great. And I think that uh, it's uh, um, definitely heading in the right direction. Well, so much of what you're doing online is already functionally one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, the, these, these, I imagine these students we're going to hear about today, at least in some way, connected with you because of, you know, some, some relationship uh, that was developed in, 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 the, in, a, you know, in a discrete moment of communication between you and them. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, well, let's dive in. Let's dive right in. So let's talk about it. So uh, we got your top 10. Let's, uh, let's, let's go through the list. And how do you want to do it? So as opposed to saying top 10, let's just say 10. Eight. Because there right, are done. so many others that, you know, I don't want to say that they're the top, but these former students are so outstanding. It's unbelievable. So let's start with um, a great former student. His name is Andrew Heffernan. And the first day of class, I knew there was something up. So first day, I hand out an information sheet garnering some of the basic information of, you know, where did you go to school, um, you know, what your degree was in, um, you know, what your, um, what program you're in now, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the first day, he didn't write that much on his sheet. So I went through the order that I had them and I'm like, okay, Andrew. And he's like, I have a little bit of a cold. And I'm like... I'm not, I'm not, I don't really want to talk too much. I'm like, okay, noted. <laughs> so um, he, I couldn't tell age, you know, age is just like, they blur me. So um, it wasn't until probably six weeks into the course of 15 that I read an article that Andrew Heffernan had been a surgeon and he was originally from Ireland and when he got bored of medicine, he went to Harvard for an MBA. And when he graduated, he went and worked for Goldman um, in London mm -hmm. until the bottom dropped out. And then he decided, I'm going to move to the U.S. and go to Parsons. Oh, wow. And wow. lo and behold, I mean, to have, oh, I know. But, and then, you know, he truly was spectacular. Um, as a student, because he thought in very different ways than some of the other students, and I really valued that. So um, I know he started a company called Belthology, um, which is um, an amazing uh, belt. If anybody hasn't tried it, I highly recommend it. I own a number of them. They have a little bit of stretch in them for anybody who travels long distances by air. We know our bodies there's grow. Yeah. There's some give, and and they're <laughs> they're great looking and stylish and functional, and yeah. So Andrew's nice. story was sort of a nice one to start with. Well, so 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 talk a little bit about that. He, you know, is um, I often talk about how people who, um, you know, I'm not going to say I speak disparagingly of people who stay in one career for you know 34 years or whatever the length of time it is, but I feel like not only is that just not going to be the case for you know Gen Zs and beyond, um, but I also feel like it's um, you know even for people even for people who have done it, it's often been done out of necessity and because a lot, but uh, um, and you know they have other things going on in their lives like family or or other needs that keep them in a job. But I do find that people who 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 make incredible career swings like Andrew made? There's something going on that's just different, and um, I'm I'm curious, like what what after working with him, what seemed to be like his driver? Well, 
there's a little backstory. So one of the reasons why he wanted to attend Parsons and study fashion marketing mm -hmm. is that his mother's family owned the largest retailer in um, Ireland called Dunn's. And so in the mornings, you know, in the mornings when he would, you know, be having his, you know, um, um, porridge or, or oatmeal or cereal, whatever, in the morning, he would hear his mother talk about, oh, this is what I'm doing today. Uh, this is what happened yesterday. And so that, that love of hearing and wanting to be like, you know, the successes of a parent you know, people, it often resonates with others more than, uh, some more than others. But I think that what I saw in him um, was that, as I mentioned before, his approach was very different. Uh, it was a public relations course, and he looked at it very, very specifically. And I really valued that. Like, pitching, we had to... We had a project um, that uh, semester, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember it very specifically. I know where, right where he sat, and uh, we worked with um, uh, a designer, and we had to uh, put together uh, pitches, 10 pitches, mm -hmm. and how each one had to be different and different um, audience. And so he really said, okay, I've chosen these 10 because... And so we really like one was financial, one was, you know, many were fashion, some were lifestyle. Um, obviously, they were all um, in the menswear realm. So one was travel. I mean, he really got into it. And there was something very unique about the way in which he constructed his pitches that was just spectacular. So it sounds like a big part of how of him ending up his success, at least in, in the public relations design realm, was that he kind of, it was a match for who he was historically or familially. But at the same time, it sounds like, it sounds like success, what he, what he was able to bring to the course was just a breadth of experience and knowledge that went beyond any typical student. Absolutely. You know, his perspective was just a little bit different yeah. because of his background sure. and that made him, sure. Once you, you know, cut people open. Right. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I, th I what I really valued was he was, you know, for people that would come in to be guest speakers. We had one of the most phenomenal guys in menswear. Um, now he's an influencer. He used to be the fashion director at Brooktop Goodman. Okay. Neiman Marcus, his name is Nick Worcester. Nick okay. Worcester is iconic, I'm gonna truly brilliant. And... Um, and Nick came in because um, I've known Nick for a long time and he came in and spoke to the class and Andrew asked him like these spot on questions and it was like, yeah, I really wanted to just like applaud, like you got it. <laughs> like you are asking those questions that draw out a very specific answer and you know, Nick was great at that so the, the combination the students that i uh, that i've seen who are that on the money with questioning and with kind of being present for a for a speaker or for a for any really any event happening in class are always inspiring because you, you just realize the importance of of i don't know it's for, i'm calling it being present but it's like literally living in the moment and fully absorbing yourself in what's happening right here and right now I couldn't agree more. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's go. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to your next one, Tom. Okay. Let's, let's move the on. Next, the next next one is a student that I have had in two different classes, um, first in PR and then in a marketing course. Her name is Shraddha Mehta. Um, she's from the New York area originally, um, and she's the director of e-commerce and sales for Luxottica. Um, the Italian-based luxury company that owns every eyewear brand under the sun, plus retailers, etc. Um, she's just brilliant. Then from day one, and and I had her a long time ago, and I just knew there that she was spectacular. You knew there was something very special. The way she engaged, her eye contact, her effervescence that was spectacular so one of the things that i really learned from shrada is 
Um, she had a very um, unique perspective in that um, her family is originally from India, and so she would travel a great deal. And so she had a different, um, maybe cultural reference that was um, a little bit different from mm, perhaps all but one student in the class. Um, mm -hmm. um, but what I think is great is she you know, worked for the company and then she had time off. Um, she started a business uh, which was highly successful um, and had kids. And then they came back to her and said, you know, we'd love for you to, you know, work with us again. Oh, and she was like, great well, great, great. I would love to work from home. And like, no problem. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, the wow. little weird, unique story that, that she shared with me was when she became a brand manager, one of the brands in the portfolio that she worked on was Tory Burch. Wow. And so... Um, Tori has spoken to my class uh, three times, different wow. classes, wow. because we used to work together at Ralph Lauren. She's the nicest person on earth. And um, one of the things that was interesting, um, Shraddha was in a meeting uh, with a number of people, and, and one of them was Tori. And um, she said, oh, you look so familiar. And she said, Actually, we've met before you spoke to Tom Hanley's class. She's like, oh, no right. Way. I'm like, what a small world. So um, what I think Shraddha brings is something something that was an interesting thing that I didn't, uh, she didn't learn in my class, but from her, the she was in the BBA program at Parsons Strategic Design Management, mm -hmm. was her um, ability to uh, work with numbers as well as with aesthetics. So she's definitely very equal left brain, right brain. Okay. And to me, you don't always see that. Yeah, um, talk about that a little bit more. Talk about that, um, that, that, the, that blending of skills and maybe the, the relative value of it in terms of the students you've seen who have been most successful, you know, blending the, the quantitative and the qualitative for lack of a better distinction. Sure. Um, I think that there are so many people that are truly um, analytical with their uh, quantitative and they just get it. They breathe it, they sleep it, they ooze it out of their pores. And then there's the other half who are so aesthetically astute that they can take a piece of paper and, and make a house out of it in, you know, 20 seconds. But there's not, but then, but then there's the combination of that, that person that can make the house in 20 seconds and say, you know, notice they, um, the uh, structure here, if you look at the, the, um, the um, proportions of, you know, top to bottom, left to right, and this detail that I put on it, that's from, you know, um, they look at it from the architectural, which is definitely very math-driven. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was something that many students um, who I've had in the past just literally click on both um, um, cylinders. Mm -hmm. And when you can have that, balance it, it's it's remarkable um but if you can have one or the other hey that's wonderful yeah, as sure. well but right. i can tell when i have someone in class like i just started my semester uh last week and the first big um assignments uh were due on sunday and i graded them um, um on uh the day after and it was literally, you could tell right away who were going to be superstars yeah. without we'll prejudging. Well, talk about Shraddha. You mentioned it early on when you mentioned Shraddha's background. You said she's from New York. And, you know, I know obviously Parsons is in New York, but I also know that you are teaching students from all over the world online and, and people who come to New York but aren't actually New Yorkers. And I often tell the story, you know, I mean, as much as I've, you know, I've lived in Los Angeles and I've lived in Texas and I've lived in Chicago for most of my life, never lived in New York, but I've visited New York a lot. 
And my, my feeling, and maybe this is just from my years of going to gay bars in New York, was everyone you meet is more interesting, more well-educated, and a little, has a little bit more of an edge that I have to think in the business world, and maybe even any world, kind of gives people a leg up. Talk about that a little bit. Like, is, is there, what is the, what is the, maybe, you know, both from the perspective of a young person who's thinking about going to New York to, to live and work versus somebody who just grew up there, like, what is, what do you see that's coming out of New York that maybe Shroud is an example of? Uh, well, perhaps uh, she's from a town just like 45 minutes north of, of Manhattan mm -hmm. um, called Scarsdale. Uh -huh. And, um, she, I think when you're surrounded and um, are able to be exposed to different types of individuals, if it is someone in finance, if it's someone in a creative field, if it's someone in this field or that field, you can draw on that as something like, oh, interesting. So I always used to poo-poo the idea of in high school or junior high, or grade school even, um, career day. You know, come in yes. and have someone speak about, oh, you know, this person's a doctor, a truck driver, a, a whatever it is. Right. And you, it gives you the ability to have vision. You can see what's gonna happen in the future. And, and I know for me, um, I, grew up about uh, an hour and 40 minutes from downtown Chicago. I'm on the Michigan side of the lake. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, drive to Michigan City, Indiana and hop the train, which is called the South Shore, and go into the city often. And my school um, was really great. Um, uh, middle school um, and high school that you would go to the Museum of Science and Industry, the Field Museum, the Shedd Aquarium, um, Broadway shows, um, the Art Institute, whatever it was. And, you know, it really exposed people. And I used to think, hmm, I don't know why this is so important. Then I really realized you can see where there's an opportunity to do something that you would have never thought of. And I think coming to Parsons, mm -hmm. uh, there there are students from, I think the last time I heard was maybe a couple years ago, and there were over 120 countries oh, represented at Parsons. It has and My I time count... in China, this, it was one of the few, few design places, schools that people had heard of, everyone in China had heard of. Uh, and, you know, that's just, it's a global education world we live in now and I'm I'm 100% sure so wow that's a that's that's amazing but I in uh, I think that the other impact that you know being around New York is you know and and I lived in New York for 25 years and I think that the the type of people that you would run into I remember one of my favorite things was I'd been uh, moved to New York from Honolulu and uh, oh what a had great been move. there, I know, had been there maybe five, six months. And I remember going to a dinner party. Um, a friend, it was just a friend, we knew him as Flavio. He was Italian from Italy, lived in Vicenza. And so um, I remember I'd be the only one that would not speak Italian. So there would be like, you know, um, like 12, uh, usually 12 women, myself and Flavio. Uh -huh. And I would, they would sit me next to someone They would say, you know, oh, this was what, uh, and I, I probably gathered 20% uh, of the conversation. Sure. But I was like, oh, Flavio. Well, a number of years ago, um, I was doing a conclave for Neiman Marcus and I met uh, this wonderful um, uh, brand, and, and I said, oh, Giuliana Tesso, uh, where, oh, we're in Italy, from, oh, we're from Vicenza. I said, oh, I have a friend from Vicenza. Do you know Flavio? And they said, Flavio designed our whole, you know, our whole offices, etc. Like, he's one of the greatest architects. And then I realized I, uh, they told me, his, uh, spelled his last name for me, 
and I realized he designed um, uh, many of uh, Giorgio Armani's uh, private residences. Wow! So he was he wasn't just Flavio or Tassi still Flavio, wow. but um, you you come in contact with very unique people who are. Um, who rise above, and it could be just that they're, um, you know, they're just interesting for whatever reason. Not that they're, you know, have done like these incredible things, but just their ability to hold your attention with great stories. I love it. I love it. It's, it's a classic New York story and a classic and an and excellent explanation. Give me an, give me another one. Let's do number three. Who's your third? So um, fourth one. Um, fourth, sorry. Oh, third. Sorry, third. You're right. Third. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Sporn. Rachel Sporn and I just spoke actually uh, right before the holidays. She is now. Um, she used to be at Kiehl's, um, doing PR at Kiehl's and then at L'Occitane. Um, and so from the beauty world, she went over and did, um, she's the manager of brand communications um, at the Campbell's for all the Campbell's soup brands, which Fantastic in, in, that, in that portfolio, there literally are like 20 of the, from Petridge Farms to late July chips to everything under the sun. And she, we were talking about how it was different. But the interesting thing about um, Rachel is that she was in the same class as Shrada, um, the first uh, first in uh, PR class and then in the marketing class. And there was something about Rachel that you just connected with. She, again, from the New York area, she was from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. and But just um, almost like, um, like levitated off her her, we sat at this huge table on stools and she was just somebody that brought so much to the table, literally. Um, and so... Literally and metaphorically. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what, so, um, so, she, so she was, the, that was, um, so talk a little bit more about her. What, the, the, what, does, what, what sticks in your mind? Um, her ability to do something that I have talked about from day one and continue to talk about it, which is how I define PR, which is establishing and maintaining mutually beneficial relationships. Mm. And I think that that is so key in marketing and PR, etc. But I think that Rachel just got got that from at Kiehl's, um, which obviously we all love their products as well as Laxatan. Um, and I know, I know, it's crazy. But um, that she understood um, um, the editors, that she understood how every editor worked for a, a different publication, obviously, mm-hmm. and what what who the um, reader was and why, how one product could go into one section of a magazine. And I know it's... Um, it's incredible because one of the projects that I teach um, is called Anatomy of a Magazine. And mm-hmm. each student has, uh, they're assigned uh, one particular publication, the digital uh, publication. Mm-hmm. And they've got to pitch products to individual subsections of each of those websites or, or digital publications. And, and I think that, you know, she just had an incredible understanding of Obviously, her written skills were off the charts, mm-hmm. but that she just got the the qualities of um, of relating and being able to um, understand who the reader was and how what products and um, could relate to that reader and and it's not something everyone can do, but um, really really amazing. That's great. Wow, she sounds she sounds extraordinary. I'll definitely be looking her. Yeah. Up. Uh, who who's next? The next one is an amazing uh, young lady who's five eleven. Her name is Sarah Hauser, and Sarah Hauser um, is the director of PR and marketing at a great designer who went to RISD named Sally Lapointe, mm-hmm. um, New York based, and when I. Uh, what I think was so interesting about Sarah mm-hmm. was 
right from the beginning. I knew she was from Arizona originally, and um, we would. Uh, she was interning, I think, at the time at um, Kevin Klein or Tommy Hilfiger, uh, or what they were. She was there probably at different times in Arizona. But that's uh, no New in New York. Yeah, where she was going to school. Okay. And but what was interesting is that she took a very um, um, specific way of understanding the brand. She drank the brand Kool-Aid 100%. And I think that's something that is so important is, you know, to embody that brand. You know, if you don't live it, love it, you're not going to be able to represent it. And I think one of the things that she's great at is truly understanding what she does, no matter who it is she's working for. You know, it's so interesting. You talk about living the brand. I, I've never understood. I've I've heard her concept, and I get it. And I can only I can only uh, kind of gather it completely in in, uh, in in comparison to what I do know, which is I, I'm a big biker and don't really and and actually it's always fascinates me when I'm in a on a road in a city and I see bike lanes and I can just tell I'm like whoever designed this bike lane isn't a biker <laughs> and you just like you just know that the people and then you go to another place and usually it's in you know the Netherlands or somewhere else that's incredibly bike friendly and you can just tell you're like you know this was clearly designed by somebody who lives and breathes biking so I yes. assume it's similar to that and I, I do find it fascinating I, I myself have never actually done that maybe I'm just a little too iconic uh, you know a bit of an iconoclastic but I, uh, I'm really impressed with people who can so one of the things that I found really interesting, two things about Sarah. One is that I was able to place her in her very first job after graduation. Uh -huh. um, um, one of my friends was the head of HR for the Todd's group, which was Todd's um, Roger Vivier. Um, and Growing Todd's we love, time, I, I know, right? Yes, absolutely. And so... Um, I said to um, uh, my friend, I said, I've got one person who I think would just be amazing. Yeah. And they hired Sarah, and she truly is wonderful. What she's doing at Sally LaPointe from a, um, a relationship uh, with all the editors, but being able to look far beyond just PR, but everything from the marketing aspects, she's so on point. Um, this semester, actually, um, Sarah recorded a video for me for my students for a discussion, as opposed to a live guest speaker. They have a, mm -hmm. um, um, a video guest speaker, sure. and and I just actually posted that uh, to a discussion uh, yesterday for my students, and they're already like, you know, the comments that I'm reading like are are so extraordinary that. You know, when you, as you mentioned before, you're so proud of these students. They are like your children. Yeah. Um, and um, and she's one of those that I know uh, with her time at Proenza, um, you know, and then now being at Sally, who does some of the most beautiful clothing out there. Um, Sarah is, is exceptional. Yeah, great. Wonderful. I love it. Good. So we have, so far we have four, we've seen, we've heard four, and the variety has been enormous in terms of what it is that you're noticing. I love I love the variety. Let's hear let's hear another one. So the next is a couplet, um, because I think they're um, they're uh, have something um, that is in common, yet they couldn't be more different. Um, Emily Scarlet, I had um, uh, in. I want to say 2007, a while ago, okay. and she is the head of communications and public relations for the United States for H&M, and she's wow. beyond. She's Canadian. Wow. Um, uh, went to uh, Western Ontario, um, University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, and from the moment I saw her in this class. Her eyes just like were bursting of like, I can do this, I can do that. And I was like, okay, you can do this and you can do that. So um, I was able to help her uh, get her very first um, uh, first internship in the U.S., which was uh, 
very impactful to her um, career trajectory. But I think that if you look at Emily Scarlett and the couple to that is a wonderful student named Lisa Lamb, who is the public relations and communications manager for Zara for the United States. So Zara and H&M, yeah. So um, Lisa is really interesting because um, um, she went to University of Georgia and when um, she said where she was from, I was like, oh, I lived in Memphis for like 14 months um, and uh, working for Ralph Lauren. And I said, oh, you know, we just had this, this bond right away. And um, I got her her first job out of um out of school uh, out of parsons and she uh worked for a pr firm and that i um coordinated all their intern programs and so lisa just gets it again both of them are so strong with that element that i discussed before which is um, establishing, maintaining mutually beneficial relationships. Yeah, no, that, they, is, they that has got to be essential for those global brands. Absolutely. So I think what both of them, uh, Lisa, I could just tell, uh, much like Emily, that um, they both got it. You know, as I mentioned before, I can't make a star, but I can lift someone up and make them shine even brighter. Um, the next one, uh, again, is truly spectacular. She's the um, Global Communications uh, Director of PR Strategy and Events for Tiffany and Company. Hmm. And her name, her name is Florence Chang. Florence, again, I had her in a marketing class, and she just was, like, unbelievable. She went to McGill undergrad, so a phenomenal school in, in Montreal. And um, there was just something that was so um, indescribable about Florence. And I remember that um, I ran into her going into a fashion show at uh, MoMA and she was with her boss and, and I knew the boss and it was like, oh, wow, uh, hi, you know, good to see you. But Florence is like, yo, I, Tom was one of my favorite professors. And I was like, Florence was a star. You could just tell from the moment on. Um, originally from Toronto, she just got it. And, and I can, and, and again, to, to be able to, to come out of, uh, of, of Tiffany as, the, as global communications director, that is, a, right. I can't even fathom the, the diversity yeah. of, of knowledge she's bringing to bear on a daily basis. And when you think um, Tiffany was just um, acquired by LVMH, right. like the, and that was only um, a while ago. Yeah, that feels like just the yesterday, but it was yeah. probably a few years I ago, know. right? No, it was like months ago. It was. It was okay. like you want to say like I remember sub- reading about it. Yeah. It was months ago. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So she's but still Florida, there, and she through the She's still there. Yep, absolutely. And you know, again, just gets it, and it's so hard to. Describe it. She just gets it, which is incredible. One of small world thing is at the time she was working for um, uh, Todd's. Mm-hmm. No, she was very sorry. I misspoke. She was working working for a Bottega Veneta, and um, and um, one of my friends was a curator for the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, UCLA, and he's like, we're doing this, you know, wonderful philanthropic endeavor with a brand. And I said, oh, what brand are you working with? He said, uh, Bottega Veneta. And he said, do you know Florence Cheng? I'm like, of course I do. She was one of my former students. So um, it's a small world. Well, Tom, so... as of right now, in addition to your students having an amazing, an ama- amazing set of pedigrees, I, I am also shocked and amazed at the breadth of your own network, which we can talk about in a bit. But I know that's part of the relationships that you value so much. But it's like, wow, I'm, I'm blown away by both. Um, wh- so she is, uh, so that was, a re- that, and that happened in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Wow. All yeah. right, who's next? So the next um, is someone I also 
was able to help them uh, land their first job. And uh, his name is Michael Africa, and Michael is the communications director for Herschel Supply. Everybody oh, wow. knows him for the greatest backpacks um, on earth, but a, a breadth of product that is unbelievable. Um, Michael, um, what's great about Michael, um, again, another former McGill student um, who, when he came into class, and there's not that many males at Parsons, it's literally very so female-centric, right. yeah, very female-centric. And so Michael, the first day, it was, uh, I just remember it was in uh, like end of August when the semester started, and here was this great guy, and you could just tell he he was there to rule. And, and I thought, okay, I better watch out because this kid is incredibly sharp. Um, and I think, you know, we, we talk um, often, actually, um, uh, based in Vancouver, where he's originally from. Um, and, and a weird story is... He was um, offered a job by Lisa Lamb at Zara, oh, wow. and because of the whole visa thing, uh, they weren't All roads able to. lead to Parsons, and you, yeah. amazing. And so, what I think is really um, great about Michael, he comes from a true, um, so an art background. So, after um, McGill, he went to. Um, because the name of the art um, school in uh, Vancouver, but he tr um, he gets everything aesthetic, but his sense of the English language is beyond. And he's he's another one that um, understands the relationships with editors and the um, uh, public relations firms that are external that he manages on behalf of the brand mm -hmm. and one of my favorites is that Michael brings a lot of different things to the table and something that um, Herschel um, brand uh, really really values is if you have an idea bring it to the table mm -hmm. and I think that, that that is something that he really believes and we talked about that. Mm -hmm. He again um, recorded a video for one of my classes that will be um, posted to the students a little bit later in the semester. But I think Michael had a great work ethic, um, understanding that he could intern at, he interned at Bottega and knew Florence. So like when Florence was at Bottega before Tiffany, um, it really is, you know, I'm fortunate that my former students always look to me when it comes time to pay it forward with internships and jobs. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it's a, it's a small world. It is, and when you're Parsons, you know, there's the saying is you never leave Parsons. Yeah. And Parsons, the power of the Pete, it, people look out for one another. So, um, Michael um, couldn't be, um, more incredible um landing we'll talk, him yeah talk about his we'll talk about that talk about a little bit about his language skills and about the language that he's bringing and how much that is something that's strategic and offline and kind of hiding in a coffee shop and uh, with a double espresso and figuring things out versus you know in meetings in real time and at like i don't know hot events being able to say the right thing in the right way at the right time i think you need to come to the table with an incredible um, use of the English language. Mm. And your understanding and the way you articulate, not only in uh, verbally, but written. And I think you mentioned a double espresso. We would sit at my favorite coffee shop here called Joe, uh, The Art of Coffee. And we would sit there over, you know, many a cappuccino and talk about, you know, what's next? What are you working on? Um, you know, how can what you learned in my class, how can you take and truly twist that, turn that and make it, you know, something that's going to further launch your career. And he was always one that always had lots of fun. I, I value questions. And I think when you ask an incredibly 
um, um, in-depth question that would elicit more than just um, a simple answer. He, he knew how to ask those types of questions, be it in the classroom or be it in a one-on-one -on -one setting over a cappuccino. I think also his um, ability to pair, as I mentioned a little bit before, pair the aesthetic with the written language. Mm -hmm. um, Michael is truly brilliant at that. And that comes from, you know, the, the mind of an artist with the mind of a, a, a great um, um, one with a quill. He is right. just really spectacular. Right. Then, Who's next? The next. So the next is a unique sort of coupling, but I'll, I'll do the first one. Uh, Katie Underhill. Katie is the Senior Director of Marketing at um, Tanya Taylor. And Tanya Taylor is one of my former students. She has become a great um, uh, force of um, design um, prowess that um, is sort of a whole new take on, on fashion, which is empowering women through the use of print and color. Yes, beautiful fashion he, designs. I've seen, I yeah. have, it's a name that I know and the style I've seen and like, the, the, it's very joyful and, and, yes. and alive. Yes, very, very much so. But Katie, um, I remember she was working at uh, Burberry. She had been at Burberry probably five years, and one of my um, dear friend's husbands was uh, a VP at Burberry. And um, I'm like, wait, do you know Katie Underhill? Yeah, of course, we love Katie. And so um, you realize that, okay, she's, she's got great people nurturing her at work. But she, again, came with this um, great sense. She was in the same class as Andrew Heffernan. It was a small class, only 10 people. And there was, you know, um, Harvard undergrad. There was, um, you know, Harvard MBA. There was uh, uh, Berkeley. There was just like everybody in this class just blew me away. And Katie just had um, her ability to write again was exceptional and these projects that I I um, give are, are not um, for the faint of heart yeah, right and of course <laughs> she just knocked it out of the park and and, um, and it's to me there's nothing more fulfilling than to um, uh, to see that um, Katie is working for Tanya and um, the fact that, you know, here are my two of my former students, um, Katie, who I had once, Tanya, who I had twice, are being able to put their brains together and further take on the world. Because um, I would say um, one is the uh, jet and the other is the fuel. Wow. And it Great just, analogy. like, whoa, just blows me away. And then um, that coupling going to Tanya Taylor. Tanya, another McGill grad, um, who actually is friends of Florence. And so it's a, this small world. It is. But, There's also um, a bit of a McGill-Parsons yeah, pipeline, yeah, I yeah, see here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what Tanya, the very first um, class, I remember she uh, was able to um, come back up from a project that I think she got an B plus on and she was like, okay, I think I deserve an A minus. And she stated her facts and, you know, this is why and this is why. And I was like, you know, maybe I didn't agree, but the, the way she made her case was so impressive yes. that I changed the grade. Sure. Why not? I love a little self-advocacy from students. Absolutely. Step up you to know, the plate. It's wonderful. Absolutely. It is, exactly. So one of the things that um, Tanya does is really empower women. And um, she does a collection that is, I believe, from size 2 to 22, maybe. Yep. So um, regular sizes and then extended sizes. And so she's known. I remember one of the things that... 
um, made me so incredibly proud is she dressed Michelle Obama when she was first lady more than any other designer. Wow, because that is an that, accolade. And that, I mean, just blew me away. Obviously, two very incredible um, uh, women, um, yes. Tanya and Michelle. Yes. So you, you just like you, well, and you get the, Michelle was so intentional about wanting to dress in absolutely. a way that empowered women as well. So I see that 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 link makes total sense. Fascinating. Wow, I had no idea. And um, one of the other things that blew me away was um, back. Um, I would say 2016, uh, Tanya interviewed um, Bill and Hillary Clinton up in, um, I think it was in like Montreal. Oh, in Montreal, okay. In Montreal, yeah. And so I um, interviewed them and it was, I saw the whole video of it and it was just like blown away. And I knew that she could just hold her own and be able to yeah. talk with two of the most impressive people in the world of politics and, and outside of politics, um, really more about their philanthropic with the Clinton Foundation. But Tanya, um, I know that when I had her in the second class, which was PR, her use of language again blew me away. Her, uh, her ability to, so I know that she was an intern um, at a company and was also a she was a design intern, but they also had her work on accounts payable, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Whoa, great!" She goes, "Remember, I was a um, in the gritty they call it, down in the well, dirt. right." But they also um, she reminded me that she was a um, a commerce uh, major, which is what they call um, basically uh, well, almost a finance major yeah. in at McGill in. Canada, yeah. So again, somebody that um, understands, I remember from one employee to now, I don't even know how many there are, but that she really gets out there and listens to the customer. Hmm. Wow. She does lots of in-store events. Uh, her events, so she does these painting classes and it's about painting of things like a color that reminds you of seventh grade or a, a joyous a joyous occasion so all the and being able to really empower women and i'm so incredibly proud of what she's done yeah. as well as i am with all my former students and many of those that we've spoken about today yeah. but i just think that um from the standpoint of being a woman running a business, I value that like there's yes. no tomorrow. Yes. And um, so yeah, pretty pretty and, incredible. And, well, and you know, and as a, and as you know, as anyone who's ever taught knows that 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 relationship of that feeling of pride in a student's performance is so of course complicated because you never want to take more credit then you know you don't want to take credit <laughs> and at the same time you know there's there there is there is such value added in what students experiences in, in in your class along the way that it's it really is it's it's a massive uh, a, a massive compliment to your expertise that 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 these students have flown so high it's amazing but let me ask you let me ask you a couple general questions about uh, about them overall i really just have two big questions with that list cuz that is an amazing list and and i guess the first one is about where these students find their energy. What is the common core that you see among them that, that, is, that is the source of, their, of, what, of re, what really distinguishes them from, from, the, from, the, from the others? I'm not sure if it's an energy um, or if it's a, a, perhaps a drive or a mm. vision that, you know, as I spoke All about very before, different things. Right, very different things. But when you've got a vision that you see yourself um, doing something and whatever it is that you might want to do, that you're, you're going to head for that. You might not know the exact direction, but you know, I'm going to do something and I'm going to be successful at it. Yeah. And I think that when people tell you that you can be successful, 
that's something I know my parents, my parents instilled in me is, you know, you can do anything you want to do. And that was unbelievable. But I think all of these students, um, as I mentioned, you know, I can't make a star, but I can, you know, just um, point out who is going to overly perform and then be able to help polish that star to make it shine even brighter. Um, but I think that if you think about your question, which was energy, I think they had an energy that was just electric. You could just tell, you could see it in their eyes, in their work, and the way they carried themselves, that I was just a simple little stop on their train to stardom. <laughs> well, let me finish with this. This is a good, this is a really fun interview. I enjoy, I do, I love hearing stories of student successes because it, it, to be frank, I think, uh, people who teach others very rarely take the time to do this, and I do think there's incredible value in it. But I, I guess I want you to articulate that a little bit about the actual value. Looking back at these students and maybe and all the other students you've had, and like how have they how have they changed you, or what are the main ways that you've seen, not only in your your teaching but also in your in your life? How do, how have you seen them them change you? Well, I have always um, referenced uh, a lyric from Wicked um, <laughs> that I've been changed. I'm dying to take my good. husband to see Wicked in New York. It's I still ha- I, he still hasn't seen it, and he was he was listening to the music in China when we were there, and he goes, you know, John. Normally, he's a classical pianist, and normally he goes, and normally he does not like you know kind of cheap musical music or pop music and he listened to that and he goes you know this music's really sophisticated this is really good and i've been wanting to take him to new york since then to see it we still haven't well if well if you think steven schwartz who wrote it wrote godspell and from a so truly truly brilliant yeah but um uh (laughs) yeah um but you know i think that if uh, how they've changed me is they've allowed me to, like I said, be a little stop on their path to greatness. Um, if whatever that means, you know, if it's from a, uh, a PR standpoint, a marketing standpoint, um, a sales standpoint or a designer standpoint, um, I think that what they've allowed me to do is, um, take in a lot of their energy going back to energy question and because of all that energy i'm able to give it to the next semester and the next semester um them providing me energy again if 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 i'm you know uh, a jet and they're my rocket fuel i mean come on i i feel as i i I said at my 50th birthday party um with a group of People came in from like 10 different countries. Uh, I said with them, I said, you know, um, I've been changed for good. And, you know, somebody in that somebody in that crowd um, teared up and they were like, yes, you would quote a show lyric. And I said, well, sometimes musicals say it the best. But um, I love it. yeah, they they have changed me. Students have changed me for good. I love uh, this it. Is, my 15th year teaching at Parsons. And in your intro, I'll, I'll correct you, um, that I was um, three times now, I mean, actually I was a f- three-time finalist uh, for it. Teacher of the Year, Distinguished Faculty of the Year. Whatever, so, it's amazing, um, and, and, and I amazing know. across the board. I, I have to tell you, Tom, it's, it, it is an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy you're doing this with me. I know I'm taking a lot of your time. I love, I love hearing stories of students. This is something I, I, would, I quite frankly would love to do again. And I love getting the, uh, getting the kind of the breadth of, of, um, of insights that come from having worked with such amazing young people and older people uh, in, in, in you know, these, these turning points in their lives. So really, this is, this is inspirational, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, my pleasure. As I mentioned, uh, these are just 10 of many, many yes. stories. Yes. Um,
for sure. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll do it again. And thank you so much. I'd like to thank my guest, Tom Hanley, and I'd also like to thank Ted Enley and Tommy Settle for the theme music that starts and ends the show. I'd also like to thank you. If you like what you're hearing here on Second Rail, I'd love to get your feedback. I'd also love it if you would rate me on iTunes and even more importantly, tell somebody about the show. Uh, if you have ideas for the show, I'd love to hear them. You can get a hold of me at secondrailteam at gmail.com. And you can always just try looking me up on the internet. On the website is an easy place to find me at secondrail.com. Until next time, take care and stay out of the public. Mm-hmm.